and decided I would put myself out there. I would be vulnerable for the sake of helping my former self, because that's the only person that I can speak to from my experience is where I Hello, at. hello, and welcome to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I'm Dr. Jaime G. Ragoza, a life coach, psychologist, and your host. Join me on a journey to inspire and transform ordinary lives into something special. Here, we celebrate the unicorns, those who choose not to follow the ordinary conventional path, but rather chase after their dreams and choose the path less taken, making them truly unique. Together, we'll explore powerful life coaching techniques and hear from special guests who embody the spirit of unicorns in their own way. What are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finding the Unicorn in You. Our guest today went on an incredible personal journey that led him to overcome addiction, transform his health, and inspire others. After hitting rock bottom, he challenged himself to stay sober for a year, documenting his struggles and triumphants. This experience became the basis of his book, Going Dry, where he shares how removing obstacles can help you become who you're meant to be. To hear more about his powerful story of change, please welcome me in joining Sean. All right, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. That, that is a big, big feat that you went through. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like what led to that change? I think first of all, um, it's gonna it may sound like a lot. You know, when we break things down small, so there wasn't anything special about what I was able to go through. So I just want to put that out there first because everyone can do these things. So first of all, when I my whole life, I've been up and down in weight. It's a common thing, but I was very self-conscious about it, very aware, and just didn't do anything about it. So I found myself at the end of 2020, first year of the pandemic, 320 pounds. My habits and routines around drinking and the abundance was even more so because we couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything, but you could get lots of booze. So it was almost a recipe for disaster for some toxic traits that I had already. So getting to the end of 2020, finding myself 320 pounds, horrible habits, miserable, negative, just all around not very nice to myself and probably not very nice to everyone around me. And just decided that I needed to make a change. Um, leading up to the end of 2020, I started to journal and have transferred from a place of beating myself up to a place of what journals do. It's encouraging myself, it's documenting, it's all the things which we can get into, but part of what made it difficult for me was I've been working construction electrician for 17 years almost, and I've been on a volunteer fire department for 20 years, very traditional, masculine, tough environments, and very difficult for someone that wants to talk about something that's bothering them or for self-help. And it's probably better now than it was just a few years ago. But in that moment, I couldn't talk about my issues. I couldn't talk about what I was working on. I couldn't go to someone because you were going to be a caricature on the bathroom wall or you know, on the lunch table or you know, an easy target. So I bottled everything up. I kept everything in and I kept believing that I knew what I had to do. I just needed to do it, but I didn't know what I had to do. And I just could, didn't feel like I was in a place that I could be vulnerable and ask someone for that help. 320 pounds, I decided to remove alcohol from my habit. I decided dry January and thought I would just try that out. And January to me was easier because people around me were doing the same thing. The dry January thing was common with some of the people in my circle. But about that second week when everybody started around me started to fall off and go back to old habits, I 
wanted it more than I think they did. But to the end of January, it was a struggle to just learn what it is I was doing. I had no idea how long this journey was going to be or what I was going to add to it. So in the beginning, it was just about removing that thing that was holding me back and drinking was a good start. I definitely get the whole January thing, especially when you're trying to commit to yourself and you're trying to improve yourself. It's easier when you mm -hmm. have like a clan to do it. It's very discouraging when you see those same people that like you're like, yeah, I'm really motivated. Let's do it. Start falling off. And then you're like, what, what, where does this leave me? So what kept you motivated to keep going? Because I spent a lot of my life up and down and weight and feeling that way. It just, I, I knew that if I didn't give it a chance more than the week or two, it would have been like every other time in my weight journey where I would have just gone back to old habits, old routines, and ah, we'll try again next year. It was when people started to go back to their old habits, I was like, and I started this journal. So I, you know, accountable to myself in this journal of what I was working on, I wasn't ready to just stop. So when other people started to go back to their old stuff, I felt more pressure for me to keep going and to figure it out because I wasn't opening up to people. They knew I was doing dry January, but they didn't realize it was as deep and as dark and as that I was carrying because I didn't talk about it. So when they fell off, I'm like, oh, no, I can't go back to this. I need this to get better. Towards the end of January, I needed more time. So I made a decision, dry February is a thing. And I, was, I would commit to doing the dry February. It's a short month. I should be able to do it. And it was about that time that I realized I've got an hour long commute to and from work. So I was listening to the same music all the time, all the time. And I got tired of the same playlist. I thought there's better use of my time than this. And I reached a point where I was getting away from that old mindset that I had of being stuck in myself, having to be that tough instruction guy that drinks all the time and has all these hangover stories and, and all the things I thought were true. I was getting away from that mentally. And I opened up to reading books. I opened up to listening to podcasts and found some you know, school of greatness and different things that I was able to listen to and teach me some things. I learned about habits. I learned about different things and you know, 60 days or 30 days, 60 days, a hundred days to break habits and change lifestyles. So when I got to about that February point and was dealing with the pressures around me, I made a commitment to do it for that hundred days because that was going to help me change a lot of these habits, a lot of these routines with the, the drinking because it's the Friday night or it's open bar. So that means at a wedding, that means you have to drink till you're sick. There was just so many things in my routine that I wanted to get away from. That makes sense. And I think what you did is, is one, very effective. And then two, it's a unicorn in itself where you not only fit, focus on the physical change, but also the mental change. And that's super important in order for you to create a habit. Like you have to change your mindset and understand that this is a lifestyle change. It's not something that you do one or two days or even for a, a short period of time and then yeah. you're going to be fixed. It's something you're going to have to consistently be That's right. For. And I, I didn't know that when I started because I wasn't reading books. I wasn't listening to that content. I wasn't asking mm -hmm. questions. I wasn't going to therapy. All the things I should have done, I wasn't doing. So to figure it out the way that I did was almost by fluke, but I couldn't get enough of it. Once I started listening to some of these things, and, it, and at first it started with people that I thought I knew, right? I was listening to podcasts of 
guests on these shows that were celebrities or athletes or I knew from somewhere else. And to hear them speak about their stories and their struggles, and then to hear them talking about, you know, some of the professionals they, they mentor or that they, they appreciate. And then I'm like, if this person can appreciate that, Dr. Caroline Leaf and Andrew Huberman and all those people that are giving back in the way that they are from their experience, it's, I got into them now. So I've gone from, and listening to those things, they've, a lot of them have written books. And so I'm getting into these books and using my commute to listen to their audio books and compounding so much knowledge in such a short time that I, it gave me the confidence to stick behind my decision to not drink and to work through some of these changes with at least that structure, even though it was never my intention to use it that way. It just, it worked out. And how was the journaling process for you? In the beginning, I didn't realize it was a journal. It was, it was a brain dump. I just, I needed to get away from the judgment. I needed to get away from how I felt people would think if I opened up. Oh, putting all these thoughts down, beating myself up, it easily became a way for me to document things I was working on or things I'd listened to, things I appreciated. So when I started the journey in January, it was January 4th, cause it's everything I could do to put it off that many more days before I started. It, it was something that I could write down and come back to. And when I would come to a moment that I didn't know how to deal with or that I wanted to remember, I would do all the things that you do when you journal. So what became, what was a brain dump? became a journal and I carried this journal through the entire journey, everything that I came through in that. So that hundred days, once I got to the hundred days, it became a full year. It's like, how cool would this be if I could do this for an entire year? So maintaining this journal, getting to that hundred days and deciding this is a year and then carrying that thing through the whole process. It was not something I would have ever done, especially once I realized it was a journal. Because in the beginning, when I was in that mindset from that like construction type and the tough guy type, it was a diary, right? Someone was going to find out I was keeping a diary and, and what was, what, what would that to who I was or who I thought I was or who people thought I was. So there was no way I was talking to anybody about it. I can get that, but there's a therapeutic aspect to it where you're able to let out those thoughts, put it on paper and even reread it to yourself to analyze what you're going through. And sometimes it's like a mirror. You don't even know what you're like going through. Yeah, and you may not feel that way for a long term, right? It may just be in that moment. And then you see it later and you reflect and you say, you know what? I've learned already how to not handle it a certain way or to, to be better or worse than whatever it was you were going through. And there is a huge stigma about journaling, but I think it's already getting better. I think it's on and it takes people talking about it as for such a simple thing. But it's so common now. Like, there's so many people I talk to and we all do it. Mm -hmm. Some of us weren't talking about it, but now like it's, there's strength in it. It, it is such a huge uh, tool with your own self-help and your own self-care and therapy to, to be able to have that reflection, have that brain dump, and then be able to visit it later if you want or bury it. Agreed. And you did a very courageous thing and you decided to get what you learned from that journal and put it into a book. So what inspired that, like from helping yourself only to so helping others? So the big thing with that was, and, and it, it was never my intention, especially because I wasn't going to talk about the diary journal. I wasn't going to ask and appear weak and all the things I thought were true in my old life. 
I, I just felt like I, I needed to carry this, you know, through the whole thing. It was such a good tool. When I got to about the nine, 10 month mark of that year that the book is based on, a friend had, had asked me, he said, oh, hey, how's it going? And I was almost in a coasting point at that because I felt like I had all the tools. There was enough social things. There was a wedding that I was in that was a big deal we can get back to. But getting through that, I was like, hey, you know what? Like, oh, I could write a book. And it had dawned on me at that moment. I was like, wow, like I really have written this book. And I thought in that moment, I needed this when I was getting started, when I wasn't prepared to open up about it, when I didn't know how to go about change and accepting vulnerability and all these things and kind of finished the year and getting to a point where I could reflect on that year, be successful. And then once I got through and I wrote myself some after that notes and a bit of a, a conclusion to that year, and I'm still not drinking. It's, there's been so much more we can talk about uh, since that moment. That was 20, the end of 2021, but I needed that and decided I would put myself out there. I would be vulnerable for the sake of helping my former self, because that's the only person that I can speak to from my experience is where I was at. And I know that it's not an uncommon situation. I know that parts of that, because we're all different and our experiences are different. There's a lot of what I was able to go through and live with and achieve as far as this journey that can translate to what someone else is going through and in a really real in the trenches perspective because it's not written from i want to say from the peak because a lot of times there's a reflection from once you get to a certain achievement but this was something i maintained throughout and thought there's people as that would use it i agree and like i know a few people that decided to go dry and for some it was they're struggling with alcoholism. Others, they just decided it was more for their health because it was gain weight. It was a lot of calories. So with that, it is a process and it's very, like you said, it's a mindset. It's a big habit and it's hard when everyone else around you is not doing it. So if they're still drinking and partying and that was the only reason you hung out was to go to the bars and to go to dinner and always have that margarita or that beer. It can get very difficult. Any advice for people who maybe are starting their journey of becoming dry or sober or um, are thinking about it? So that they can I, I think it. that's the hardest part. And I definitely, um, because it was so hard for me to get started, I definitely have advice. I made, and I didn't know there were boundaries in the moment, but I set some rules for myself that are in the book. They were basic rules that were have fun. Be involved and not involved in drinking, but like, I didn't want to hide at home and just let it pass. There's definitely moments where you need to decide whether it's a productive event or function for you to go to, to help you with either drinking or whatever you're working on. But if you like these rules that I set for myself or these boundaries, they were something that I kept in my mind throughout, throughout and to go be involved was not to, like I said, not to drink, but I had a, a cup, I got a Yeti mug and I poured whatever I wanted in there and I could just, I could simulate the motion people around me knew, but it just didn't feel awkward to me because I learned I was more worried about what I was drinking than other people were. Other people were just used to where, like where I used to be and trying to host, no friends trying to host, you're trying to support because something like alcohol is such a social staple 
and, and a tool that, that is just automatic at, at functions. It's automatic when you go to, it's, it's something that's there. So if you find a substitute that works for you and the big struggle was sugar, right? Get away from drinking, but then go drink pop or Pepsi. So I like sparkling water and with a lemon, or there's different ways to have a substitute for that drink or for that item that you're getting away from to, to make those situations more comfortable. Yeah. And I think it's definitely, you have to be weary from changing one vice to another, because if you're going into that sugary aspect, that is only going to go into the weight gain and then other issues are, may arise from that. And I know for you, you lost a tremendous amount of weight. I know that's a lot to like even process yourself because not only is your body changing, but your mind needs to catch up with it to get used to you being different. How th it had to be broken down into small parts. It was never an intention that I had to go sober today and be successful at it. It wasn't my intention that I had to be down a hundred pounds, which is where I've got about to see 216 now. You can't think about it. And I didn't think about it in the big picture. You know, that's that big mountain, whatever that mountain is for you. Don't worry about the mountain. We're just getting our shoes on. We're just, just taking those first steps. So when I was you know, looking for drinking and to stop drinking, it was, you know, that 30 days was the start. And then the 60 days, the hundred, and I was, I was trying the things that are in the books that I've learned read now, but I broke it down into small parts and added to it once I was comfortable and, and built on it. I've done with, with the weight loss too, I, like dieting or intermittent fasting or whatever version you're doing. If you just stop eating altogether, it's not going to work. You have to do it in small parts. So losing the weight, not drinking, reading more books. It didn't start that I was just not um, doing certain things anymore. It was, I'm just going to read a couple pages or I'm just, I'm going to pick this book up and look at it, not even plan on reading it. But then you like James Clear in Atomic Habits. If you do that enough times, if you just drive to the gym, don't even go in, just drive there and leave. Eventually you're like, oh, I'm here already. I might better go in. And, and you build on those small habits and those small things. It's been three years for me and that's how long it's taken. It's been up, it's been down. I've like the weight, it's, it's gone up, it's gone down. It's been 10 plus 20 pounds back down to about 80 lost back to a hundred. And there will always be that fluctuation. So you can't beat yourself up if you're down a little bit or you're off of the path because you just need to pick it back up and we'll go where you're going again. There's two things I want to mention on that. The first one, I, I love that you mentioned the fact that it's not a straight line. A lot of people think mm -hmm. it's going to be easy. Like once you get started, there's going to be a point where everything just flies by, but you're on a roller coaster. It's an up and down. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. However, everything is just separated into moments. So if you're having a moment that is bad, then leave it to that moment. Let, give yourself whatever you need to do to recuperate, let it out, and then decide to change so you can have a better moment yeah. afterwards. You no, know, if you're having a bad day, let it have a bad day tomorrow. Let's have a Yeah, I was day. finding in a bad day, whatever I was eating, if it was cookies or whatever, if I'd have one and it was like, I might better have 10. And sometimes that would happen. And I had to get away from that. Mm -hmm. And, and I say cookies, whatever it is people are going through, it's easy when you've had one to just fall back in. So when I'd stop to have, or when I'd have one, I had to make sure that I kept it at one. I had to put a barrier there. If it was going for a walk after or whatever, it was that barrier was the walk 
which got me away from the cookies that my wife has to have in the house for some reason, to now I've gone for this walk. Like, I don't want anymore because I just did this walk and I feel better. So that barrier was huge to get away from, yeah, having that one and going back to having all of them. No, that makes sense. And it's difficult. I know for me, I've always struggled. I've had a challenging relationship with food um, ever since I was younger. And like, what I've done now is I bought specific plates to have certain portion sizes. Because uh, when we have large plates and large bowls, mm -hmm. our instinct is to fill it up. So in my mind, to trick my mind, I still fill it up to the top, but it's the actual portion yeah. size I'm supposed to have. So that way, I, my mind, I'm feeling satisfied and I guess in my head, it tricks my stomach to kind yeah, of. Yeah, no, that's a great good. tool. I know uh, quite a few people that, that use that. And, and it is helpful because then you see it, right? It's, and we do, we will mm -hmm. fill the plate and we'll not eat the way we're supposed to, but you get in that moment. And then if you don't have a structure like your separated plate, it's too easy to just keep going. It's the seconds, it's the uh, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's everything we're working on needs to have some structure or some guideline that we can go by. And without that guideline, we're not sticking to that path. We, we're too easily uh, looking somewhere else or back in an old comfortable habit routine that we were in. Exactly. There's a saying that I go by, if you fail to plan, yeah. then you plan to fail. So if you don't do anything about it, there's nothing that's going to go through it. You have to in live intentionally and give intention to every action you're going to do. So if you want to succeed in something, then plan and fix whatever you need to do around your household, around your work, have a conversation with your friends and family so that you, they can support you and you can have the right mm. tool to be successful. Yeah, that's right. It's something that I always fought against. It was like, I'm not going to be that routine type. I'm not going to, you know, be someone that, that has to be here at a certain time or, but you have to. If you don't, if you don't create, and it doesn't mean you have to get up first thing in the morning, go for that gym or long run. And that's like the only way you can be successful. It's just the small things. It's those small habits. It's just those small moments, but you do them every day and they, and they add up. And, and without that routine, without that structure, yeah, we go back to old stuff or maybe we're not doing things correctly. Maybe it's, it's doing the wrong things. Agreed. And the second point that I wanted to make earlier is when you're going through changes like this and you're trying to challenge yourself to grow and to read a, cer a certain goal, sometimes we all go through some self-doubt, some negative, automatic negative thoughts that go through our head and insecurity, sometimes imposter syndrome. What did you do to kind of persevere through those, overcome those obstacles? I've had a, a lot of those moments. Um, I mentioned the wedding I was in. It was the biggest, the first big one aside from just changing my routine, really good friend of mine. We're still friends, but he was getting married that year that I was not drinking and writing the book. And he kept telling me, you'd better drink at my wedding. He knew I was sober. I didn't know how long I was going to do it for, but I got asked to be in his wedding and yeah, like he was in my wedding and we had a great time. We've had a great friendship, but he kept telling me, cause you better drink at my wedding. You better drink at my wedding, uh, the bachelor party, the which I didn't drink at, like uh, the fitting for the suits and all these functions along the way. You better be this way at my wedding. And it was such a huge anxious moment because I, I had all these old habits and things that I did about making sure I toast properly and buying the drinks and doing shots and all the things that I was used to doing to celebrate someone. And I wasn't going to do it anymore, but he still expected that I was going to. 
So to go through that and deal with those pressures and then later on to decide to put the book out, I had huge imposter syndrome with who am I to put a book out? What, who wants to read this stuff? Like I'm not Prince Harry. I'm not whoever. No one's going to want this thing. And it took me a bit to get over that because when I realized I wasn't doing it for anyone but who I used to be, then I had confidence in what I had went through. I had confidence in the journey that I went and how difficult it was to stand behind the book or stand behind these, these podcasts to say, this is what I went through. This is what worked for me. And this is, and then offer what someone can take from that. So the imposter syndrome, just sharing, building that confidence, and then realizing that we're all dealing with our own version of these things. The drinking for me could be something to somebody else, but in the background, it's just, it's bad habits. It's bad routines. It's, you know, maybe moments of weakness. Maybe it's just, we aren't, we don't know. We're too afraid to ask. Maybe it's just because we didn't have great examples growing up. There was a lot of times like the habits that created what I did were because it's what I saw growing up. So how did I know that I didn't need to do what I thought was true if I didn't learn more, or ask questions or open up to it? Yeah. And it's a process. It's really hard because sometimes you get so stuck into your own head and you get in a, such a negative space. It's, it's really hard for you to get out of. And I think going back to what you said earlier regarding journaling, it's it definitely does help if you write it down or if you don't, you're not willing to write it down, maybe record yourself, do a video blog for yourself, do a, you know, an audio blog. I know I, I've done that several times where I don't always have pen and paper, but I always have my phone. So I will open up a, mem a video, an, a voice memo, and I'll just start recording and I'll just brain dump everything that I'm feeling at that point, hit pause, set it for later, and then I'll reopen it later, re-listen to it. And it's such an amazing feeling when you're in a better headspace and you're listening to what you said and you're like, wow, I was being so dramatic or wow, that's not even something that I should have been. That was such a small thing to worry about, but it was the end yeah. of the world yeah. that day. So, so don't and, and that's what that's why yeah, journaling or video <laughs> blogging it's it is so good to be able to go back to that thought because if you don't you know that thought you might forget that you felt that way but then you don't know how you dealt with it in that moment but then you your brain doesn't mm -hmm. forget it right? you were upset your brain knows you're upset something triggers you later and maybe you don't realize they're related but they are. And without having that context to go back to, or you know, that thing that you did, oh, you know what, this is what I did that worked and reflect on it later just to go back to it. You can use moments um, in the future and about writing it down. One thing that I did that was very important and it's about being consistent. I had a calendar on the wall right where I left the house, right, right by the door. And I would mark, I had so many things I was working on. So not drinking, I would put an X through the calendar. One more day, one more day. I'd have all these X's on the calendar. And then I thought, I learned about this 100 day. And I was like, I'm going to try this out. So I started with something simple. I started with just brushing my teeth. I wasn't doing it as much as I wanted to. Needed no morning and night. And I would brush my teeth in the morning. Little check mark, top box in the calendar. I'd do it at night and I would check it. And it was, I'm going to do this for 100 days. And I had all these check marks on the calendar. And I'd get to a point 
at 100 days where I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop marking it. I'm 100 days now. It's a, I'll have a good little celebration, get some dopamine rolling. And then I would stop counting because I wanted to see and test this theory that of this 100 days with something that was so simple. And I can't go to bed. I can't like leave my house. Maybe it's not right away, but I can't leave my house without brushing my teeth. I can't go to bed with a brush. I'll get out of bed now. Whereas before I'm like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And other things like this calendar, when I had check marks on there, or I had X's for drinking, or I had circles for drinking water, or I put little marks for notches here and there, all of these things that I was doing a hundred days at a time you know, with some overlap, nobody knew what I was doing. I didn't have to tell anybody what it was I was working on if I didn't want to because it was right by the door. So if someone saw this calendar with all this writing on it, oh, what's all this stuff? Oh, it's just, oh, I'm working on this and that. I'm drinking more water. It's just stuff. Like, or I could say, oh, this is for this, this is for that. And it really depended on who I was with, but I didn't have to, right? Kind of a secret, but by marking it on the calendar and staying consistent with it, it gave me the confidence and really the visual to continue by looking forward to that check mark, that circle, that whatever. That's a really good accountability system. And you can do this on the calendar. You can do this on your phone. You can have like a notebook that you carry around. You can do that. But there's a lot of different keep yourself accountable. But the thing is, start a system that works for you, that you feel is going to help you remember to at least do it for those 100 days. And for you, after you reached those 100 days, what was your insight on those? It was really cool to see that I carried on with these things, with the, um, like with the brushing my teeth or, or with the drinking water. Like I bought a 40 ounce jug and it was, I got to get through two of these in a day. And to then structure that, to say, I finish one before lunch and then I've got all afternoon to finish the other one, like having that system and that structure, but seeing the marks on the calendar get up to a point and then having that hundred day mark, it was a really, really cool feeling. And then so much better when I tested myself and realized the habit stuck. And I want to say it didn't, there was thing, and I know Dr. Caroline Leaf, she says the cycle and the thing that people miss is the cycle. If it's, if you're thinking 21 days or 60 days, it's a cycle. It may not be that it's one term of 60 days. It may not be that it's one term of a hundred days. Like you, depending on how ingrained this habit is, like if you smoked your whole life, maybe there's more time needed. Like drinking for me when I committed to the year, I think I needed more than the hundred days. But at that time it was, how cool would this be if I could do this for an entire year? There's, I haven't been, since I was like 14, there wouldn't have been a time where I went that long without having alcohol at some point in my life, in my year. But that hundred days, I think I would have needed more. So there's certain things, seeing a hundred days, celebrating the hundred days, but then still counting it on the calendar is important. One example right now, I decided I was going to do sit-ups before bed or at least sometime in the day. And at first to make it a bit easier for me to get started, I just had to do one. Just go do one. It's not 10 minutes of sit-ups. It's not because 10 minutes can take an awful long time. It was just do one. So mm -hmm. I would do that one sit-up and then I would do, okay, I'm going to make, I'm going to do five or set myself up that I can do as many as I want. And then as long as I do one, the calendar, I'll mark it off at one, but the rest is a bonus. And it got to a point and I'm up to, I think I do 50, 50 is my new one. 
And I've done that for almost 160 days. I keep marking it because I think that one's going to be easy for me to not do or not feel accountable if I don't do it. It's been like, I've been dead tired right before bed, realize I haven't done it. And I go out and I do 50 sit up in the garage at my, my uh, little workout spot. And one thing I learned Ed Milet, his book, power one more, he's always about one more. So when I do 50, I'll do 51. If I can make it to 60, 70 or a hundred, I always do one more kind of a neat thing because like he said in his book, in his program, you know, after hundred days, you've done a hundred more than you would have done before if you were doing, if you were doing it that way. Mm-hmm. I like that. I always add one more yeah. to whatever you're doing. So that, that's pretty good. I think I'm going to. And it could be one more <laughs> sit up. It could be one more, it could be one more kilometer, one more mile, right? Like it, you have that context of how hard you want to push or what your new goal is. But for me, one more sit up was just that like extra exclamation point on the fact that I did it for one more day. That's amazing. Well, you've definitely accomplished a big feat, like I said, and thank you for sharing all your words of wisdom. I have one last question for you before we wrap up today. And it's kind of the premise of the whole podcast. So what would you say is the key lesson that you learned that we will call the unicorn lesson in your whole journey? I have been thinking about this because I've been listening to your show and the unicorn for me was accepting that my situation wasn't unique to only me and vulnerability, Mm. accepting vulnerability as my unicorn to allow myself to give back to where I used to be and where someone else might be to use this version to help give them a bit of motivation and a bit of drive to, to start whatever it is they've been holding out on or whatever it is they might want to work on. I like that. And it, yeah, you have to be vulnerable, not only for, to others, but to yourself. You need to admit that whatever, that whatever you're going through, you're going through it. So that way you can start working towards fixing or get absolutely you and, want to be. And like I come from construction and firefighting and these masculine, uh, predominantly masculine spaces, we're not vulnerable or we're not uh, invincible to this stuff. And just speaking from those sectors, like we all need to be able to do this. No, I agree. Nobody's exempt from this. Everybody has to do the work and get to help each other out they want to do but thank you so much yes agreed (laughs) so thank you so much for coming on and um, if a listener wants to reach out to you buy your book or just get in contact i think the easiest is on my website seanrobinson.ca i'm it's developing all the time i just released a blog called uh, just just put your shoes on it's about getting started and getting the mental physical um, start so my website seanrobinson.ca and it's got links to all my social stuff, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. I post weekly. I've got a newsletter that goes out every week. Uh, it's got great content in it, videos. So sign up for that. And anything I can do to give back, it's my mission right now. That's awesome. So listeners, if you want to click on the links, you can actually go on the show notes and you'll be able to see all the links he just mentioned. If you also go to my website and visit the Unicorn Wall of Fame, You'll see Sean on there with a description of what, of his bio and the summary of this episode as well with the link so you can click them there. And thank you once again for everything. And uh, as a reminder for all listeners, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and episodes come out every Friday at 7 a.m. Thank you and until next time.
Thank you for listening to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I truly appreciate you listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite platform. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. Until next time, this is Dr. Jaime G. Ragoza signing off.